0: turn with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to look at chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. As you find that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for every opportunity that we get to study your word. And we pray according to your word, Psalm 119 and 18. It says to open our eyes so that we may see all that is in your law. Unless you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, we cannot hear or see what you have for us. We can't apply to life that which you want us to live by. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak, to soften every heart for your word, to take root and to bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and you can read with me, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. The title of the message this morning is The Secret is Out. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, the secret is out secret is out. There are, there are, uh, yes, turn to a neighbor, wherever, Uh, fewer things in life that I enjoy more than a toddler telling a secret. Uh, If you've ever experienced it, it's got to be one of the funniest things that I have ever experienced. Daddy, I want to tell you a secret. We're decorating the house for your birthday today, but nobody else is supposed to know. Okay, <laughs> well, now I know and the whole neighborhood, thanks to your whisper scream. And it's funny, actually, in addition to that this past week, almost like on cue, it's not just toddlers, it's, it's adults too. I was sitting in an event, was getting ready to present some information, and, and the person with whom I was presenting was sitting next to me, and I had a clarifying question to ask, so I kind of leaned over because we were in the front, and I talked a little quietly like this. And he didn't even lean over. He just said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what we're supposed to do is. And I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was trying to just be secretive about it. And I wondered, in thinking about that, and thinking about toddlers, the best one. Well, i just move on. Uh, When we try to have a kid be quiet, because, or some of them be quiet because the other ones are taking a nap, and they say, what? Oh, they're sleeping now? I'm like, yes, but probably not anymore. but I thought about when Jesus was healing folks in, in the New Testament, he often said, don't, don't go and tell. It's not my time yet, essentially. And how they would go and, and, and do just that. Hey, I was blind, but now I see. Shh. And they would go all over town telling of the goodness of Jesus. The secret, if you will, he allowed us to let out. And I imagine those for whom miracles were performed, those who encountered him like you and I do today, that their eyes spiritually were opened such that they were now able to see God more clearly and see him in so many other aspects of their lives because of their now seeing more clearly. And the main point I really want to emphasize today is that thank you makes room for more. Thank you makes room for more. And I'm not talking about like the, you know, sort of the genie interaction where you say thank you and all of a sudden a million dollars drops out of the sky because you said thank you. Not talking about that at all, but what I am saying is I believe that we can learn from the life of Apostle Paul in that when we learn more of God and his word, when we encounter him more, there's a thank you that comes out. And when the thank you comes out, it comes out again because we're seeing more and more of him and it becomes a way of living. The more we see, the more we thank. The more we thank, the more we see, more reasons to thank. Hence, thank you always makes room then for more. Just yesterday, I was at an event, and there was an amazing speaker who spoke a little bit about gratitude, and she supported it by even bringing in neuroscience to talk about a life of gratitude, literally shifting things in your brain, neurotransmitters that are firing in our brains, for example, that uh, such that they impact our disposition toward life for the better when we intentionally live a life. Of gratitude, Feelings of contentment are brought about when we're living a life of gratitude. Thank you makes room for more. I'm looking around the room, and many of you probably know your neighbor a little bit better than I do, so just lean over to them again and say, you know, thank you makes room for more. <laughs> Apostle Paul, for some context, is writing to the church at Philippi. It was established on his second missionary journey. It was there that they met Lydia and Philippi, the businesswoman, who became the first convert in the city and welcomed Paul and Silas into their home. It was also there in Acts 16, where we see Paul casting the demon out of the fortune teller who was just harassing him. The story goes on to say, essentially, that her owners were infuriated, so they locked him up, beat him, put him in prison in prison while in a dungeon, solitary confinement, if you will, they're sending up these loud praises to God such that then an earthquake comes about and all the prisoners are freed and the Philippian jailer who was ordered to guard them carefully and did so by putting them in stocks gets saved. That was the church launch. Talk about a launch service. Now, Paul writing from prison again to the church of Philippi, which at this point is a bit more established, evidenced in part by the greeting in chapter one, where he's speaking to pastors and deacons. He's thanking them in this letter for their support of his ministry, and he's encouraging them to live a life of unity, a life of joy, and a life of contentment in Christ. Talking about a guy who was in prison in Rome because of his faith in Christ, persecuted, treated like a criminal. Every reason to complain, Mark, every reason to offer up anything but gratitude. He didn't even do anything wrong. Could have been anxious and fearful about being abused, could have been unlike many of us, I'm sure, angry at God. Instead, he writes this letter of thanksgiving, joy, and love to the people of Philippi. If ever there was an example to be thankful to God in in all circumstances, Apostle Paul is that. How in the world, when things get chaotic for you and for me, do we remain content and thankful? And further, we'll talk a little bit about how, when things are going well, does our contentment not rest on the fact that things are going well, but there's an accurate ascribing of our gratitude to the source. Apostle Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He'd experienced some extremes. One example in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9 says, when I was with you and needed something, said I was not a burden to anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. He knew what it meant to have plenty. First Corinthians 4 and 11 says to this very hour, we go hungry. We go thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Brother Paul knew what it was to also be without. But to be clear, the extremes as relevant for you and I are not just talking necessarily about Uh, material accumulation. I've got a lot in the bank, I don't have a lot in the bank, though that can be one example. There are extremes of all kinds that are prevalent for each and every one of us, are there not? I know what it means to be in shape. I also know what it means to not be in shape. You get where I'm going. I know what it means to uh, cheer for a Super Bowl winning team in 2008. And I know what it means in 2019 to feel like my team is a high school JV team. I'll let you figure out in 08 who won and who I'm talking about. I know what it means to have ends meet, and I know what it means to not have them meet. We may know what it means to have a loving relative who is physically present, and we may also know what it means when that loving relative is now no longer physically present. We might know if we're a parent what the joyful expectation of a baby might feel like, and we also might know what the nightmarish circumstance of that joyful expectation coming to a complete halt feels like. Extremes we've all experienced. Some of us may know what it feels like to think clearly and rationally, and we might also know what it looks like and feels like to think and not even trust our own thoughts because we know they're so distant from reality. I know what it is to be in need, the Apostle Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. Then he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned. The Apostle Paul learned this. He learned what he shares in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, which says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and we have clothing, we will be content with that. He learned what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5 says, which is to keep our lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God says, Never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. The Apostle Paul learned this. He was very much acquainted with the fact that it was in the, the sudden, rapid traverse, uh, 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 reverses or changes in life that God's grace is most needed. It's in those changes of life that it's the most difficult to learn the lessons of calm contentment and gratitude. But there ought to be, I submit to you today, traits of Christian character that are developed in these transitions of life, just as some of the most beautiful exhibitions of the laws of matter are brought about in the transitions produced in chemistry, for example. The change from heat to cold, from liquid to gas, they develop properties that were before unknown. And to that end, acquaint us much more intimately with the wonderful works of God. The gold or the diamond, for example, perhaps without the action of intense heat, might show a little bit of brilliance. But nothing like we see when the powerful agents are brought to bear on them, that then we get to see the peculiar brilliance and beauty because of the rapid changes throughout that refining process. So there is many a beautiful trait of character, which could never be known by either continued prosperity or adversity in our lives. All of us experience, to some extent, these extremes if we've not already. But the question is, what are we learning in and through them? Will we, when living in prosperity, ascribe our gratitude to the appropriate source, ensuring that our contentment is in him, not in whatever the manifestation of said prosperity is, Apostle Paul, as I mentioned, had experienced such favor in which and for which he felt a lot of gratitude. And while it was received from the Philippians, while your raise may come from your boss, while the gains last quarter may come about in some way from the work that you've put in, while in some regard your ability to network has garnered you some open doors that may not have come about otherwise, for just a few examples— Apostle Paul regarded the Lord as the source of all of it. His contentment wasn't that things were going well. His contentment was in Jesus and rejoiced in it as an expression of his kindness. So his contentment, even on the mountaintop, was found in God, and his gratitude was ascribed appropriately. So when we're not with conflict with our spouse when fundraising on our job is going well, when Medicaid is acting the way it's supposed to act, when Social Security is covering the things it's supposed to cover, when we get that refund check on time. I don't forget those moments. They came back real quick for all y'all students. When all those things are going well, when the check engine light in your car is not coming on, how might we maintain a posture of gratitude, not just for what's going well, but for the source of what's going well. And there's a difference. We can be content because the pockets are padded. (laughs) How many know that contentment isn't enough? It's gratitude to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Conversely, though, will we, when going through adversity in life, maintain an attitude of gratitude? I'm always amazed when I read the book of Job, in the first chapter even, verse 20. After he'd already lost his family, after he'd lost his livestock, in the same day, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Later, 13, I think, 13th chapter, after he lost his family, after he lost his livestock, and then his health was all jacked up, he says something to the effect of, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I know everybody is like, yeah, I do that all the time. But for me, that catches me. Brother lost everything. And I know it's complicated, the book of Job and the layers of conversations that are happening, but there's pretty clearly a statement of faith and one of gratitude and praise that Job had that I and you ought to also embrace and ask the Lord to give us. Because when I think about the lessons and I ponder all of the ways that I could have learned things given the opportunities provided in my life, I find myself confessing a whole lot. Because I realize times in life when I've had the opportunity to learn to be content and grateful, but I was so far from it. Even now, I keep wanting that team that I referenced earlier in 2008 to get back in the game, New York Giants, to find their way, and I have to say, Lord, just help me to be content. That's actually a bad illustration because they need to get their act together and get back to where they used to be, so let me not use that. I don't know why I thought of that illustration. Let me think of another one. Come to my notes for that. I can think of points in my career... When I was looking for contentment in the desired promotion, waiting for it in some ways, like when that happens, when these avenues are created, then I'll be content. Then, though I would never say this with my mouth, I'll be thankful when that happens. Lord, I am so sorry. Sorry that I missed you, missed being content with you in the midst of whatever transition I might have been finding myself in. When I thought that life would be over because I lost something or I was going to lose something when in fact it wasn't going to be over. Things might be bad, but not over. May my confession turn to thanksgiving for the lessons he has allowed me to learn and the ones that I can continue to be learning now. Thankful for when in 2017, content, thankful both, and when God said, let go of the second and third and maybe fourth job, sorry, babe, that you're doing for these extra streams of income to pursue a calling that I'm calling you to. Content, thankful for his mercy and his grace and the many lessons in gratitude that I continue to learn. But I, if I think honestly, and I believe if we all thought honestly about how our lives probably recited the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, that begins with our father I'm honest, if we're honest, many times it probably starts with our, our money that is or is not in my pocket. Hallowed be that value. <laughs> our job that we do or don't have, that boyfriend or girlfriend, the spouse that we do or do not have. Hallowed be that space. Our children, which I know gets a bit more sensitive because I know if you have children, you're like, don't touch them. But even our children can become an idol. Even our children can, if we're not careful, become a source of gratitude. And yes, I will fight for my kids, just like the next parent. I think it was Pastor Jared Green, who was here a couple of weeks ago, has one of my most favorite shirts in the world on it. It says, I'm saved, but I got hands. And I said, I need that, sir. I need that, because if you mess with my kids, we will show you some New York hands real quick. Don't like to fight, but we can do that (laughs) if we have to. But children can easily become that too, right? Apostle Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I'm content when my kids are or are not what I think they should be, because I'm not looking for them for my contentment or my gratitude. I'm looking to him for my gratitude. So what's the secret? Verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Some versions of the Bible say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The secret then is out. Now, for some of us, that might be wrecking our entire theology around this text. Some of y'all going to Max out on the bench tomorrow, talking about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do this 100-hour work week in Christ who strengthens me. And yet... What's being said here really is, no, whether things are up or down, left or right, I'm content because of who you are in my life. And this is a brother, whether you've been in prison and jail or not. How many have been in prison by something? You've been on the mountaintop in some way, and he's saying, whatever situation I'm finding myself in, I can be content. Why? The secret is through you, Jesus Christ. He's calling on us essentially to rise our level of faith to another. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says it this way, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the next time you're trying to figure out his will, just thank him. You'll be right in the center of it, <laughs> which isn't meant to be trite by any circumstance. We find ourselves in spaces where we need to make decisions and we want Lord, the Lord's help. Absolutely. And yet gratitude is a great place to begin. I'm thankful that I'm here and that you're with me in the boat while the waves are rocking it. And I know you've called me to go to the other side. And so we're going to get there. Amen. I believe that Paul, as he learned of God, as he spent time with God, as he saw more like God, he experienced the world through God's eyes. He was able to be full of thanks, no matter his circumstance, because he had an increasing understanding of who God is. And that is good news. The secret is out. The book's on the shelf. Google is at our fingertips. The question is, are we willing to learn through these situations, to be content. As Paul realized more and more of the goodness of God, he couldn't help but be thankful. The more he learned to be thankful, the more he realized he could be even more thankful, and so his thank you indeed made room for more. And for us, our thank you makes room for more. In closing, I have never lived in a city that could reschedule Halloween Thursday, we get a note from the school, a phone call from the school. We get hear something from the city saying, hey, you know, uh, don't go out tonight. <laughs> the city is going to trick-or-treat tomorrow. Um, and if you don't allow your kids to go trick-or-treating, I won't argue with it. That's fine. I'm not mad. I understand. We let our kids go and get candy with their friends. So Thursday, they're mad because we couldn't go out. And then we're mad because the power went out. And later that evening, it was a crazy week, all kinds of deadlines, grant applications, and conference presentation proposal that was due at midnight on thursday so i'm getting on my computer when my wife is sleeping and the kids are sleeping and i'm saying i'm just going to shoot off this email only to realize of course i need power and comcast to help me with that so i leave the house go into my office five six minutes away pitch black outside using a flashlight to get to the car i get there get to my office send the email in get the conference presentation proposal in by midnight. Then I start checking email because who doesn't have emails to check at 11 o'clock at night. Then I get a call from my bride who I left sleeping and had whispered to her, are you asleep yet? I got to go to the office. And I knew something was wrong because she was asleep. So I pick up, I said, babe, what's wrong? She says, Paul, somebody's outside. You need to get home. I said, no. Grab my things, get on the road, get back to the house only to find out I can't get to the door. Because there's this huge tree that had fallen literally right next to the house. And so I'm there thinking, okay, God, I got to get inside. I park in front of my neighbor's house. And what she saw, people being outside, was everybody with flashlights. So, of course, she'd freak out. She's sleeping and see some flashlights in her window. So I'm like, okay, that's what's happening. Hey, Max, can you help me get to my door? I just need to get home. So Max and Karen, they're out with their flashlights, literally walking through the, I don't know if you saw the wires yet, but there were wires down everywhere. No doubt, some of them were live and they're helping me walk through. At one point, Max was like, all right, man, I think you're good. (laughs) I'm gonna go back in the house. Got in the house, said, hey, this is what happened. This is the loud bang you heard. We're good, but it's bad. It's bad out there. Um, There was a group text with maybe 20 people on our block. Y'all, did you see the tree fall? Oh, my goodness. We are so fortunate. We saw the car, the picture of the car. It was a matter of inches. That's our car. There's a car behind it. The tree didn't touch either one. What? Little to the left, little to the right, it would have hit. Or backwards, it would have hit my neighbor's house. If it came back diagonally, it would have hit our home. And you know that kind of tree. You saw the sidewalk sticking up. I mean, that joker was powerful. So a whole block full of folks. Some love Jesus, some don't. Man, did you see that? We're grateful, thankful that it didn't hit anyone. It hit a couple things, wrecked a couple of cars, but my neighbor said, man, this check engine light's been on for six months. We're good. We need a whole other car. So I said, well, that's a praise too then. We're going to bring that in. But I said, God, you're something else. That's enough right there to shout on. Isn't that, I mean, come on. We, I don't want to run past that moment. I don't want to run past that moment. And yet I want to bring like Pastor Paul trying to bring our level of faith up. I thought, you know what, though? Mark, man, trees are missing me every day. Literal, maybe metaphorically. I don't even know what's falling behind me every single day. Missing my car, missing my wife as she's driving, missing my kids on the way to school, on the way back. Because God is like, you're going to fall right here. And not touch any one of them. And then I said, well, God, this is. This, this, this is something here. You're stirring something here because I'm on this text thread with folks who I know don't love Jesus. We love each other. We're brothers. We're friends. We, 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 we connect. We do fellowship. We break bread together. And this caught their attention. I know you. Is it going to take this to get my attention? Or am I going to draw a little bit closer into you? Because I'm thinking the Apostle Paul must have had something on the inside of him to have gotten so near to Jesus that when they were beating him down, stoning him, Persecuting him and when he had plenty to be steady and say, I'm content, I'm thankful. So when we talk about thank you, making room for more, in essence, it's saying, how about I get in this word a little bit more every day? Because then I'll see a little bit more every day. The reasons for which I have to be thankful. Yes, I see that my kids got some issues in education and challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I see more. I see all the things that is going so well in him that could be going awry. I see you in the miracle of life. Watch my wife give birth. That's a miracle. I'm not looking past that. And on and on and on. For those who have been married, Jim and Linda, for over 30 years, I'm pretty sure you've seen God in that union. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And that's anybody in the room, right? How can we, Lord, as we pray and close, how can we? See more of you in such a way that we say thank you more, and that that thank you then leads to more because we see more, because we're thanking more, and we're engaging you more, and we're learning of you more, and we're plugging into you more. That leads to some gratitude, that leads to some contentment, not based on circumstances or happenings. How many know in the city of Charlottesville, we will always be looking for the next (laughs) point, particularly as this church's position of reconciliation, real reconciliation. So I'm not looking for the happenings to make me content. I'm looking to you, who is in the boat with us, to bring that contentment. And because you're in the boat, because you're on the throne, because you are Lord and Savior, we have so much to still be grateful for. There's a song that I will not sing, but I thought of it because in the 90s, we listened to John P. Key and Vanessa Bill Armstrong, and she wrote, I think she wrote it. John P. Key produced it. Uh, My favorite artist of all time. But Vanessa Bell, if anybody knows her, you know you can't just get up and try to sing a Vanessa Bell Armstrong song. But these are the lyrics. It says, tell me a story about Jesus Christ. Tell me of his goodness, of his mercy and of his life. Tell me of his boldness. He charged me not to tell of the good works he has done. But, oh, she says, <laughs> I must run and tell the original hashtag run, tell that I must run and tell each and every one that the secret is out. The secret is out. The secret is out and that it shall never be contained. Secret is out. The secret is out. The secret is out that he shall come again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the good news of the gospel that says you took on human flesh to live a life we should have lived but couldn't because we couldn't live a sinless life, though you endeavored for that to be the case. The good news is that you did, and then you died to death. We should have died. Romans says the wages of sin is death. So it was us, ours to, our wages to have paid, and yet you came and took it on yourself and died. And then, rose from the dead three days later, proving that you are the son of God. And today, that resurrective power literally lives in and through us. We're grateful. We're thankful every single day of the week, every month of the year, every minute of every hour, because you're on the throne. And yet today, there may be someone sitting here with eyes closed and heads bowed who have yet To experience what it's like, like Paul, to be content in all situations. To, as he said to the church at Thessalonica, be thankful in all circumstances. If you're sitting here and have yet to experience that reality of being thankful in all seasons, this is a moment where you can accept Jesus Christ into your heart and experience that reality. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, As your Lord and Savior, we just want to pray with and for you. If you can raise your hand really high, we won't ask you to come forward or say anything. Just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Amen. Those who are sitting at home, maybe you've said, yes, you know, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want this experience of being grateful, of being content in all situations. If that is you, or if you're here and didn't want to raise your hand, (laughs) repeat these words after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you now for the privilege of walking with you as Lord of my life. I choose today to turn away from everything that the Bible calls sin and to follow you with my whole heart. I recognize today that a life in Jesus isn't a storm-free life, but in Jesus, it's a storm-proof one. And so I receive you today, recognizing nothing I could ever do could earn salvation, that the work has already been done, the debt's already been paid, and I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. I accept that today. I accept you today. In Jesus' name. For those of us here whose hands have gone up every day, For however many years or weeks, and you've already accepted Jesus, our prayer today is that all of us, as we grow in faith and give God glory, that we too would experience a deeper sense of gratitude and thankfulness, whatever season we're in, that we see Jesus Christ in ways we hadn't previously because of our plugging in. Locking in, reading our Bibles every day, participating in a victory group, finding community, being sharpened by his word on a daily basis such that we see through his eyes, we experience through the lens of scripture, and as a result, have a thank you on our hearts such that it makes room for more of him and more thank you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that.